Praise the Lord. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful for God Almighty and Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. Come on. Hey, welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. If you're new to this house, man, we are very thankful that you find yourself right here for today. Again, we are excited for tonight. Tonight is baptism and seek combined. It's going to be something special. It's going to be something beautiful. Um, and it kickstarts our baptisms here in the house as we are going to have many more baptisms. And now we're able to do it regularly as people truly are coming to Christ. Uh, it's, it's something special, man. And we do, man, we love our time um, in the word. And, and man, I just, I just want to cover just something briefly as we get into our baptism Sunday as you really see the purpose of baptism, right? And, and, and then we'll, we'll preach. You can turn to, to 2 Timothy. I'm just going to read a very familiar passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We know it. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation or a new creature. Behold, old things are gone. All things become new. This is that verse that says old life, Christ, New life, right? My old life, this, the cross, Jesus. Behold, all things become new, new life. Like this is that promise. This is that, that, that truly new revival within our spirits, within our souls to know that this promise is true. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, first, the whole criteria is to be in Christ. You need Jesus as Lord and Savior. We must come to him on his terms. His terms is God's holiness. It is to, to identify sin. Sin is what separates us from God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because I'm a sinner. I deserve what equals death, that separation from God. I deserve that because of my sin. I get that. I understand that. I identify sin. And then a second is to truly trust that my faith, my trust is Jesus alone, that it's only Jesus. Jesus came. God loved the world. He gave his son. His son came, died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin. He is the only way. He simply says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. He said, I'm the one who stands at the gate. You're only getting into the pasture if you come through me. Jesus is it. And then the third is this, the third part to salvation truly is just simply, uh, you are now Lord of my life and I surrender. And once you have truly come to Christ on his terms, repent, believe, surrender. I turn from my sin. I acknowledge Christ is truly the only way. He is my trust. That is my faith, that it's in Jesus alone. And I have called him Lord, which means he's in charge which means I surrender, which means he's my master, which means he is sir. He is Lord. And when we go through that, then we are ready for truly for water baptism. And this is what we celebrate here. Biblical water baptism is after you have come to Christ, after your conversion, when you, when you can look at, at, at 2 Corinthians 5.17 and says, therefore, uh, if you are in Christ. For anyone who is in Christ, for anyone who is in Christ, all things became new. I love that. All things. I am a new creature in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. Water baptism is truly symbolic to the old is gone. 
immersed in water. The new has come, and I am here to profess publicly that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what happens in water baptism. Now listen, if you want to be water baptized, now listen, not, not as if you've been water baptized as a baby. That's more of a maybe a baby dedication type thing. Um, that is not salvation. That did nothing for your salvation. Um, if you truly, truly are born again and you have not yet been water baptized, then we need to be water baptized. And you can sign up in the foyer for that. Um, and that, that's what we're going to see happening tonight. Five people are being baptized tonight. We're truly, it's going to be a, a great night. But what a great promise it is to know that I am a new creature in Christ. That doesn't, that doesn't change. I'm a new creature in Christ, right? Uh, old is gone, new has come. What a beautiful promise that is for all of us who truly are in Christ. So come on, I want to preach this morning and teach this morning from 2 Timothy. And this is kind of like one of those, I'm in, in the middle of series. We're coming off of the, the long series, Do Hard Things. That was great. That was powerful. If you missed it, get online, check it out. Do Hard Things. Last week we had LC Sunday, Living Connected Sunday. Big signups, big push. Matt Cobb crushed it. His crew up here crushed it. It was awesome. Sign up for Living Connected Groups. They'll bless you. It's amazing, right? That was great. And then today we get to freelance a little bit on something that I have been kind of going over for, for several weeks now. For several weeks, I've been kind of in this, in this mode of biblical convictions. I've talked to my staff about biblical convictions. I've talked to a group of men about biblical convictions. And we've kind of gone through a list of, of biblical convictions. And my question is, what are some of your biblical convictions? What are some of your biblical convictions? I mean, convictions. The word convictions, it means that I have been convinced or I am fully persuaded, fully persuaded. I stand firm on my conviction. I stand firm that I have been persuaded. I stand firm that I am not going to move from my position because this is my biblical conviction. And man, truly, church, it's been so good because we have been going through this list of people just writing out, man, okay, I got to think on this. Like, what, what am I so convinced on that this is a hill that I'm willing to die on? Have you ever heard that statement? Like when you're in a debate for something or something comes up and you're like, are you willing to die on that hill? Well, our biblical convictions are those that which we are willing to die on that hill. No, I believe this with my life and nothing can persuade me otherwise. Nothing will bring doubt into this. This is where we're going today. Next week, I'm so excited. We start a new series next week and we're going to go through the book of Philippians. We are starting a book study. It is a letter and it's epistle from Paul. He's writing it from prison uh, to the church at Philippi. It is filled with such depth. It's filled with great joy. We are going to preach on joy. It's going to be amazing letter. We're going to rip through that uh, chapter by chapter starting next Sunday. You can pregame that. You can go through and read the book of Philippians and just kind of get, get some insight on that. And uh, we'll start preaching on that next week. Church, how much truly do we love, how much truly do you love the word? Like we're Bible people, we're a Bible church, right? We, we, we love the word of God here. We teach, preach, live the Bible. We love the Bible. And how much do you truly chew on the Bible? Jeremiah says, I eat it. It is food for my soul. As much as I need necessary food for my flesh to live, I need spiritual food, which is the Bible for my soul to live and to grow. Man, and I hope that you just love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I love digging into scripture. 
And man, I hope that you know what it is to have a passion for the word. So that when I asked you, like, what are your biblical convictions? And you know, the number one biblical conviction is that I, I believe this is true. Like this here is God's word. It's infallible. It's without error. I believe that. I, right off the bat, my biblical conviction is that the Bible is true. God put himself on page so that you and I may be able to know him, know his character, understand him, know his ways, know and walk in obedience to what he has said, all written down for us on page. And we ought to live it, eat it, chew it, live on it, and just say, oh, this is my desire. My passion is the word of God. And I believe that this is true and if it starts there, then we can start making our list of a true biblical, uh, biblical convictions. This is what I am persuaded of. It's like the young lady who invited the pastor over to her house. And she was so excited that the pastor came to her house to eat lunch. Like she was so excited, you know, wanting to try to impress the pastor. She asked her daughter, honey, would you go please go get the good book? Would you please go get the book that we love to read? We read it every day and bring it to the pastor so that he can read from it. She's like, sure, mom. And a couple minutes later, she comes back with Better Homes and Gardens magazine. <laughs> Here, mom, this is what we read every single day, mom. And, uh, but church, how much is it that we're not here to impress anybody with our reading, but what it is to truly just love the word, get into the word, understand that which we stand firm on, and these are our biblical convictions. Come on, let's pray. God, I believe that you're going to move in a powerful way today, right here in this service, right here in this house, for everyone who is present, for everyone who is online, and for everyone who hears on the radio. God, that you would move powerfully through this preaching. God, I thank you for this opportunity. It is a privilege and it is an honor to stand in this place and to present your living word. Your word is alive and it is powerful. And God, I pray that we would hear what we need to hear, that we would see what we need to see. And God, we, our hearts would do, be just full of your word and respond to it the way we need to respond to it. God, I pray that there is courage built up in this room. God, there is fearlessness built up in this room. And God, I pray that we would see your word for what it truly is. Is, God, it is you on page for us. And God, let us hear from you today in Jesus' name. Come on, amen? Amen. 11 o'clock, amen? amen? That's my 11 o'clock. Here we go. Come on, I want you to see this. Uh, 2 Timothy, please. And like, just come on, get out a pen and paper and start asking yourself, like, what, what are my biblical convictions? What is it that I am so persuaded on that I will not be moved? The Bible speaks of a great falling away. The Bible speaks of there is a season coming that there will be many who fall away. Today's term is called deconstruction. I'm not a fan of that term. I think it's a silly term. I think we should call it exactly what it is. You gave up on your faith. You threw in the towel. You quit. Uh, you're leaving the faith, and you are now considered a biblical term of what it is to fall away. And there are the many who have fallen away. There are many famous people, many people who've written books. We don't need to name their names, but they have given up on their faith. They've made a big splash about their exit. They want everyone to know that they don't believe it anymore. They want everyone to know that they've gone in a very woke, nonsense direction, and they've just kind of given up on their faith, and they broadcast this like they're proud of it. That shows me that they truly didn't have a biblical conviction. For those who have fallen away, they haven't truly ever been truly persuaded that this is truth. So 
in our conversation today, in our teaching today, as I did with the team, with our staff, and as I did with this group of men, we continue to go through that in that sense of what are our biblical convictions? And we started writing a whole bunch of things down, chapter and verse, and writing some things down. And like, no, man, this is my, I, I am convinced of this. And there's so many. And listen, please hear me. I'm not talking, I'm not talking like eschatology today. Like we could have an amazing, I love Jesus, you love Jesus. I think Jesus is coming at any moment. I believe in the preacher of rapture. You think you're going through the tribulation. When you get to heaven, tell me how it went. I don't know what to tell you on that. But when Jesus comes, I'm leaving, man. I'm going up. But we could have an amazing conversation about that, right? I'm pre-trib. I'm rapture. Some, some are, are true like post-trib and they think they're going to go through the heat. Like, okay, awesome. Like that's not what I'm talking about. There's many who feel that they are predetermined or predestination com compared to free will or free choice. I'm a free choice guy. I, I, we, we don't, no, we're not going to get into debates today about that. But, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. Because you can have two people who truly love Jesus, who are truly born again, who just see amazing parts of Scripture differently in doctrine, but yet they love Jesus and they're unified at the cross and they're unified on their biblical convictions that are bigger than, than pre or post, that are bigger than the amillennial, that are bigger than the choice versus predestination, um, like bigger than that, knowing this is the hill that I'm willing to die on. I, I am free will, but yet I also see a point for predestination because of different things in Romans, because of different things in, in, in Peter, but yet there's a lot more to it than just a few verses. So, but like, I, I'm not talking about that. Because those are all great conversations from people who truly love Christ. But I'm talking about a true biblical conviction that you are like hell or high water no matter what is taking place in my life, no matter what the tragedy is, no matter what the season is, no matter if I have to stand alone, no matter if I'm a classroom by myself, no, if I'm the only one that believes this, I'm good with that. That's the biblical conviction that I'm talking about today. These are the conversations that I've been having for three weeks. What is it that if you are the only one, no matter what is taking place in your life, no matter what season of life you're in, maybe you're a high school student and you're the only one in class that believes Jesus. Maybe you're a college student and you're the only one in class that believes Jesus. Maybe you're at a job and you're the only one in that appointment that believes Jesus. And no matter what takes place, you stand firm on your biblical conviction. No, I know, for I have been convinced and I have been persuaded that this is truth and there's nothing that could ever make me doubt what I believe in God's word. These are the convictions that I'm talking about. When the Bible says there will be, and we see it today, there will be a great falling away. It is truly my hope that doesn't impact anyone here at Believer's Chapel that's heard this preaching, that's been a part of this church it's a part of under my responsibility and accountable to me as a teacher and I'm accountable to the Lord to preach truth. I don't want anyone in this church to fall in the camp of those who have fallen away because you didn't stand on your biblical conviction. You were never truly actually convinced of anything. So church, what are some of your biblical convictions. Some of those are very simple and some of those are very like obvious ones that, that I, think, I think you and I 
we claim to be obvious, but man, we fight and we battle against the obvious because we do know Satan is real and we know that he's a liar and we know that he's a deceiver and we know that he is always after and, and devouring, seeking whom he may devour. We know that this is his mojo. We know that this is his game. We know that we are his prey. But I want you to hear this before we actually actually get real preaching. This is the intro, but actually we really get into the word. Man, I, I don't want this in any way, shape, or form to have anybody have any type of fear in this because we are called and commanded to not fear. We're called and commanded to be fearless. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I get that, right? No weapon formed against me as people speak and slander against me will prosper. No, 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 I get that. I understand that. And, and let's, listen, if God is for me, who can be against me? No, I get that. Like there's so much more to the firm believer walking truly in the fullness of the Holy Spirit in his power and in his authority and in that dominion that we have and we carry because of who God is by his spirit in us that I'm not ever concerned about someone else's opinion because I have been persuaded because I am convinced that this is truth. Church, I want this to be one of those things. Please write this down early. I want you to get it right away that when you walk in a biblical conviction, that builds courage. When you are walking in a Bible conviction. My head goes up, my chest goes out. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. There is courage that comes through my biblical conviction. I stand on it. I believe it. I'm never going to waver from it. I'm never going to doubt this. And if I'm the only one in class, if I'm the only one in college, if I'm the only one in my workplace, if I'm the only one in my family, I am convinced. Come on, let's look at this, please. I love it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. Starting right in verse 12. We're going to read a little bit. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. It says this. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is one of those verses. You can't get past it. Can't get around it. Got to preach through it. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. There are different levels to this. Right? There's different shapes. There's different sizes to this. Um, depending on what persecution means to you, persecution, it means to be aggressively pursued uh, in an aggressive way. Uh, bad things can certainly happen to those who stand on the word of God in, in, in grave detail and very little detail. You might lose a friend. That's persecution because you followed hard after Christ. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost family. Maybe you've lost different things. Maybe people are just simply coming against you all, there are Again, persecution can come in huge levels of people actually losing their lives, people losing their families' lives, literally through, through being a martyr. Like there's a lot of different pieces that come from this biblical truth that if you truly love Jesus Christ, you are going to be persecuted. Now watch verse 13. We know this to be true. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Like bad people get worse. Like we, we've got to really figure this out in today's day, right? Bad people get worse. We have an understanding that, that there will be evil men, there will be imposters. And the reality is, uh, in even today's day and age, bad gets worse. Being deceived, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, and I love this. You, however, continue in the things you have learned. Continue in the things. Listen, okay, if you're going to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. I get it. There'll be 
The world will come against me. Okay. Classmates will come against me. Okay. Sometimes family will come against me. Okay. Like there'll be persecution for those who choose to live godly. I get that. And we understand that evil men and imposters, they're going to go from bad to worse. Okay. People are going to get worse. I get that. You, however, here it is personal. You, however, continue. Continue in the things. Continue means to abide. It means to remain. Remain in the things which you have learned and have become convinced of. Even though you can see this world and it may not be going in the way that it used to go here in the United States of America, I have an abundance of hope for this country. I have not given up on the USA. I've not given up on us as a Christian nation. I don't believe we're standing in that Christian nation as of right now. I do believe that God has a plan for the US of A. I believe God has a plan for us. We're doing everything we possibly can to win this nation back to a godly nation and everything we possibly can do with that. Praise the Lord for the sake of people and salvation. But as of right now, it's just not going in a great direction. You might be the only one that's born again in your class. You might be the only one that's born again in your family. You might be the only one that's born again truly walking in a biblical truth, wherever you're at. Like, that could be the case. I think true, strong believers are in the minority, so we see this. But I love, I love what Paul is speaking here to Timothy. He says, hey, listen, Timothy, even though it looks kind of rough all around, even though you're being persecuted, even though you see bad people getting worse, I need you to stand in your conviction of that which you have heard and that which you know. Timothy, what are you convinced of? Timothy, what are you persuaded of? This is where Paul is writing this to Timothy, saying, hey, listen, Timothy, stand your ground. Hold your position. Stand in your conviction, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the, the sacred writings. This is the Old Testament. And from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Timothy didn't have this. Paul didn't have the New Testament. Paul's writing the New Testament as he's speaking this to Timothy, right? So the sacred writings are that which are old. That's the Old Testament. Old Testament is valuable to today, as valuable as it was when it was written. We've got to understand that. Old Testament is God's word for us. We dig into it. We understand it. We learn from it. We realize the Old Testament speaks to the New Testament. I want you to see this. It says it here. Watch this. And then from childhood... You have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. Old Testament gives you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith that is Christ Jesus. Come on, church. Do we understand that the Old Testament pointed to the cross? The New Testament points back to the cross and the cross is right in the middle. The cross was the focus. Jesus was the focus of the Old Testament. Jesus is the focus of the New Testament. Guess who's the focus of the whole Bible? Jesus, right? So when we get this, we understand this. Paul is writing this to Timothy. Say, hey, listen, stand on your convictions, even that which you've learned from the sacred writings of old, the Old Testament, because it all points to Jesus. It all points to salvation. Now watch this. Look at this famous verse. We know this verse, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. Old Testament, New Testament, all scripture. This is why our number one biblical conviction is that this is God's word. Our number one biblical conviction is this is truth, and then I can unpack it from there. So if I know that God, this is God breathed, this is God by his spirit who breathed the word, who told men and women what to write and how to write it and what to say, and this is God's handiwork, this is his perfection, this is without error, we believe that this is absolutely true. 
Why? Because it's God breathed. All scripture is inspired. If this word inspired, it means God breathed. Your version might say God breathed. All scripture is God breathed or inspired by God. And it is profitable for a few things here. Profitable for teaching. Teaching here, teaching here is that instruction of doctrine. It's the instruction of the doctrine of scripture. It's profitable for instruction. It's profitable for sound teaching, for sound doctrine. It's profitable, number two, for reproof. And I love this because when you understand reproof, it's talking about, it's talking about that inner conviction. See, when I believe the word of God is the word of God, in my, watch this now, in my belief that it is the word of God, all scripture God breathed for that reproof, which means proof, which means conviction. For I am fully convicted that this scripture is God breathed. And I'm fully convicted that the scripture leads me to my convictions of its truth. That's what the word reproof means. Right, this is what this word reproof means. We gotta get this. I want you to see number one is is it's 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 profitable for teaching, which is sound doctrine. Number two, it's profitable for reproof, which has the sense of my biblical conviction. This is what I, I prove, this is the evidence of the proof, right? Reproof, evidence, conviction, persuasion. I'm persuaded that this is true. Number three is correction. It's profitable for teaching, reproof. Number three, it's profitable for correction. And I love this word correction. It means to get back on course. It, it means to help a friend up when they've fallen. Like there's this picture to this word correction. And it's like when someone's falling, you're helping them up, getting them back on course. And, and you can see that in our own life. You've heard it said here. You've probably heard many, many ministers say that. When you read the word, the word reads you. When you read the word, the word reads you. When you read the word, ah, oh, oh, I gotta, whoo, I gotta get this right. Man, I, 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 and you, it begins to read you. It, it brings that beautiful sense of a Holy Spirit conviction. Today we're speaking on being convinced or biblical conviction. But when you, when you see a Holy Spirit conviction, according to John 16, the Spirit of God comes to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there is that spiritual conviction that God convicts us, convinces us of our sin. When you read scripture, it reads you. And it brings this beautiful course correction. And it's something beautiful. So church, when, when you fall in love with the word, you don't just read it. Hey, I read my 12 pages today. And you, and you just check that box. It's been wonderful. I have taken this whole past year to go just chapter by chapter by chapter through the New Testament, verse by verse and chapter, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, took the weekends off, but Monday through Friday, just one chapter at a time and just have truly enjoyed the slowness of that, marking up the Bible, digging into different words. And it's just like, I don't have to read 12 pages. Even as your pastor, I don't read 12 pages. I want to know what the text says. I don't know what it means. And I love digging in. And in that, there's a beautiful sense of correction. Oh, God, I see that. Oh, that was wrong. And, and there's this beautiful Holy Spirit conviction that comes, that convinces me of sin. Have you ever been there? Like, you realize, you know, man, you just said something and you got that, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's that Holy Spirit conviction, right? That's that inside conviction and convincing like, oh, I need to ask for forgiveness or I need to repent or I need to go before the Father in this and I have 
done wrong. Like that's a beautiful thing. Conviction isn't a bad word, by the way. Watch this. If you're under Holy Spirit conviction, it means that you're close enough to understand the sense of his conviction. It shows a healthy relationship. It shows a healthy relationship. If you're just walking in sin and there's no conviction, number one, you better check yourself and test yourself and examine yourself in true salvation if there's no conviction of sin. Or the other part of that is you've drifted. So conviction is a healthy word. Conviction is, is a good thing. When I'm close to the Father and I'm walking in the Spirit, when I sin, I'm convicted quick because I'm walking in that healthy relationship. So, and then the fourth one is this. I love this. The Word of God, inspired by God, God-breathed, and it's profitable for training in righteousness. I love the word training in righteousness. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we are forever in training for that which is in righteousness. Righteousness, again, it means right according to what God says is right. It's God's right. God said this, God's right. I'm not concerned about anybody else. I'm not concerned about the opinion of man. I'm certainly not concerned about the opinion of politics. I'm certainly not concerned about the, the opinion of all of these left or right or center or whatever they are that don't believe in the word of God. I'm not concerned about, I am in training in what is righteousness and that's what God says is right and not man. And man, when you, when you can bank on this, going, my number one biblical conviction is that this word is true. And I, I knowing that this word is true, I'm in training to understand and to know what God said is right. And I hope that we understand that, right? For we are in training in righteousness so that, but here's why, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Adequate and equipped for every good work. I saw chapter four, verse one. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. I love this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Church, I never want to be that teacher that preaches to your liking. I never want to be that preacher that preaches uh, to, to, to tickle your ears so you come back and you get the feels. Just that you all, and, and listen, we are encouraged and we are built up in courage and I love that. But if we're only preaching so we feel good and there's moments to be encouraged in his presence and it's beautiful and it's amazing and life is breathed into our spirit and it's awesome, but I don't want to preach I don't want to be that guy that preaches to tickle your ears so that you're really not growing anywhere in your faith. You're growing in only what you want and not in what you need. And we need to be preaching on what we need and not so much what we want. And here's where we walk in this true line of what it is to have a Bible conviction. So what are some of the things you, you might write down? What are some of the things that you would say, no, this is, this is my conviction this is what I've been persuaded of. This is what I know to be true. Nobody can talk me out of it. If I stand alone, then I stand alone. Obviously, we've covered the Bible as our, our, our starting point for that, right? Uh, we look at creation. Creation should be one of the top of that list. I'm not saying your list. My list is 
It's creation. Like in the beginning, God created. Like I believe that. Like everything about me believes that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Church, if I can believe Genesis 1-1, it shouldn't be that difficult to believe anything after that. God Almighty, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere all at once. I believe in a six-day creation. He spoke. It happened. He spoke. It happened. He spoke. It happened for six days. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If I can truly buy into that and believe that as a biblical truth, that I'm convinced that God created all things, Anything after that shouldn't be that difficult to believe. Can God heal? Yes. Can God even raise the dead? Yes, he has. Can, can God heal disease? Yes. Can God save? Absolutely. Like, can God do whatever he wants? Yes. Why? Because he said, nothing's hard for me. Like, God doesn't work on a scale of difficult to less difficult to more difficult to, like, oh, Sean, I don't know. This is the tall order. Like, that, that's not God because of Genesis 1-1. And church, what a fight. What a fight we have been in for this truth. What a fight we have been in that we must be persuaded and convinced that Genesis 1-1 is the truth, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Like evolution is a lie. It is taught on every school level from elementary through doctorate degrees. It is taught, it is taught, it is pushed on TV. It is pushed in the movies. It is pushed in the music. It is pushed in society. It is pushed in country after country after country. And this is a battle for a biblical conviction of that which is true, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, it became. Church, do we just, like last night was just brilliant, man. Full moon, the stars were out, and you're just like, oh, God, this is amazing. This is your hand, God. This is just simply day four. This is incredible. This is what you did. This is awesome. I believe that, God. It just shows your power and your might and your ability and your authority. God, this shows your mighty hand at work. Like, I believe that God has created all things, and nobody and nothing could convince me otherwise. Now listen, I grew up in an amazing godly home. I grew up with great parents from heritage to heritage, from generation to generation. Like, like these, are, these are things, honestly, church, that I haven't really ever doubted. And I know this, man. I was, I was praying through this this week because I know that, and I've had conversation about this this week because I know that there are so many that don't grow up in a godly home and maybe you're the first link. Like truly, maybe you were the first one in your family that is gonna lead your family by biblical principle. Maybe you're the first one in your family. Maybe you are the only dad in your family that actually knows what it is to lay hands on your kids and pray over your kids. Maybe you're the start. And, and, and I don't know what that is to be in your 30s or 40s or late 20s and come into church because God draw you into this place, hear the gospel and respond to it. And now you're married with a wife and with children. And now you start this amazing journey in faith. And you have to watch this now. You have to do some backward work to unconvince all the lies you've heard for 20, 30 years. I don't know what that is. So my heart, even in conversation this week, my heart was like, you know what? There's this, yes, I'm saved. Man, and I got, I'm truly born again. I want to follow hard after the word, but I have a lot of unconvincing to do. You know, it's the person who just gets saved, but they swear, if you got saved today on Sunday, 
Chances are you might just swear on Monday and I'll high five you and say, bro, grace. Like, it, we, we got to have grace. We got to have grace. Those who think when you get saved, man, they just should be cleaned up and walk perfect. Man, there's 30 years of being messed up. There's 40 years of being messed up. There's 50 years of creating a habit. It might take a minute, man. Give me some grace. How much even more so as we've lived this life believing a lie. And now I need to be convinced because his spirit reigns within me and he will teach me and show me all things pertaining to his scripture. Again, I was privileged to grow up in a godly home that I've never, I've never doubted creation. Again, to think that we came from a fish or a tree or an ape. It's funny to me because there's still apes, but yet we might've came from apes, but now there's humans and apes. Now the apes aren't actually turning into humans. And it's just like, ah, wow, you believe you were a fish. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't. I'm just like, nah, you, you weren't. Like, Ah, but it's a lie that is pushed and it's pushed and it's pushed and it's believed and it's believed and it's believed because Satan hates God and he hates his creation. So one on my list is I am convinced that God is creator and I'm convinced in creation that it was of God. And I think evolution is a lie that deceives and tries to undercut the very work of the beginning the very work of God's creation, that scream of his ability and his authority and his power and his might. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to cut that out. But I have been persuaded and I'm convinced that I firmly believe Genesis 1, the account of creation, and I stand firm on it. And that's a hill that I'm willing to die on. If I'm the only one that believes it, I will believe it with my head up and my chest out without question. This is the type of conviction I'm talking about. Another huge one, is Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That the truth of the conviction is that Jesus is the only way. Like, like we, 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 can, we can have a lot of different doctrinal beliefs. We can believe in eschatology differently. We can believe in, in predestination, free will differently. That's fine. But we, the nucleus is, no, it's Jesus and it's the work of cross that saves. And that's it. It's not by good works. It's not by religion. It's not by being a part of Believer's Chapel. It's not your giving statement at the end of the year. It's not your kindness. It's not walking the old lady across the street. It's not your good marriage. N none of that. It's Jesus Christ on a cross for the payment of sin for all of mankind. And all of salvation and only heaven leads through the cross. That is a biblical conviction that we have got to hold tight to. Church, you think about those who have fallen away and given up on the cross. I don't believe that they ever knew that Jesus is Savior. I don't believe they ever really bought into the truth of being blood-bought, born again, cross only, only through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody you know what nobody means? Nobody. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. I mean, we got to be wise to remember the Bible wasn't written for America. Nobody means nobody. Nobody on this planet gets to the heaven except through Jesus. That's it. He's the only way. He said, I'm the shepherd that stands at the gate. John 10, nobody gets into the pasture. You got to come through me. Can't go over it. Not going under it not going around it. I'm the door. 
Church, that biblical conviction is life and death. For those who don't believe in Jesus or those who have rejected Christ as Savior, they're the ones who have damnation for an eternity. So it's creation, it's Jesus. It's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I am convinced that there's three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and His Spirit that reigns and dwells within me with all power and authority and gives me great dominion and great power to walk so strongly in His fullness, hour by hour, to walk in His fullness. I think another huge conviction is the true biblical conviction of there is a very real hell. Not a mystical place. It's not a fairy tale. It's not the guy in the in the red suit with the pitchfork that oversees this this weird looking land. It's not a cartoon. Church, what happens? Watch this now. What happens when you truly believe that there is a very real hell for every person that has denied Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? There will be a day of judgment and Jesus himself will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And they're cast into the lake of fire forever. Complete, total, outer darkness gnashing of teeth like like when you begin to biblically define hell we have as much of a biblical defined hell as we do as a biblical defined heaven it is dark it is pitch black it, there is evil there there is gnashing of teeth out of a place of just anger and pain and it's eternal For every person who's never named the Christ, named Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, when you, when you have this biblical conviction, what does that do to you? Like, like when we understand a biblical conviction, it, it, there, there's, there's, a, uh, there's something that, that does to our, our, our heart or to our inside or to our soul because I am convinced that there's a very real literal hell that men, women, and child are going to go to if they've never named the name of Christ as Savior and Lord. What, that needs to motivate us as a church. That needs to motivate us as individuals to be truly gospel presenters. Like, no, people need Jesus. No, people need Jesus. No, what is it at work? What is it at home? What is it in our community? What is it in the grocery store? What is it when you go out? Are your mindset that God Help me to have an open door today. Help me to give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Lord, put me in a place where you need me to be because just maybe I'll have an opportunity to share the gospel. Is that us? Is that us? I pray that God give me eyes to see. And God, give me ears to hear. And God, that you will put me where I need to be. If I have the opportunity to share your good news. If I have the opportunity to share your gospel. If I have the opportunity to pray with somebody, God, let me pay attention to it because people need Jesus. If people die without Christ, this is a biblical truth. This is one of our biblical convictions. 
that they will be forever separated from God in the damnation and punishment of hell. Church, that should motivate us if we really believe that, if if we're persuaded of that. Are we doing the work of the ministry? Are we doing the work of the ministry? And in that man, I believe and can convinced of a beautiful place called heaven. And and watch this now. Here it is. Like if I am convinced in what the Bible says about my time here on the earth and my time of eternal life, then then I know this, that man, if I live to be a hundred, that's a blink. That's that's, that's like a a breath. That's like a vapor. Like we think a hundred, like you hit trip ditch. Like you're like, oh, that's whoo, hundred years old, man. That's a long life. Like, you lived a long life. How many times do we think that? Like, just in our minds, when someone says, man, my grandfather's 100 years old, you're like, oh, they lived a long, happy life. Like, you put long. I do, and I'm not right in doing that. Like, oh, you lived a long life. No, man, that's a blink, bro. That's a breath. When I know that, no, in Christ, I live my life here on the earth. But even in all of that, I know there's an anchor to my soul, that hope that I have eternal life. And that eternal life is forever and ever and ever and ever and millions and millions and millions and millions of years compared to our quick little blink of a hundred. So when you are convinced that there is heaven and it is forever and that is my place, man, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more, no more, no more problems. No more politics, which is just amazing. Praise the Lord. No politics in heaven. Like when you, I love that. Like, not a fan, but like, like when you know that like there will be a day that the new heaven and the new earth come. This is a guarantee. This is a promise. Streets of gold. That's a promise. Man, I know that that is true. And that's my anchor to be able to get through anything here on this earth. Momentary light afflictions, as Paul said. And that brother went through it. What are some of your biblical convictions? Church, I think we have to be convinced as well that Satan is real. We have to truly know that Satan roars around like a roaring lion. We're his prey. Mankind is his prey. Because the Bible says, when you know that, you're on guard. If, If I am convinced that Satan is real, that he is a fallen angel, that he has his own team of fallen angels and they hate you and they hate me because they hate God. And he roars, he walks around like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour. Like if I know that that is true and I, and I, and I know that that is, you, you can't persuade me otherwise. I know that there's a very real Satan. I know that he has fallen from heaven. I know that there's a day that he's chained up and removed for the lake of fire for an eternity. I know all of that. But in the here and now, if I really know that, then I have to take God his word when he says, Sean, be on guard. Be on guard. If you're walking in a conviction and you know that Satan is real, then you'll take God at his word. Say, I need to be on guard. I need to be on guard on what I see. I need to be on guard on what I hear. I need to be on guard on where I go. I am not going to put myself in temptation. I'm going to avoid all all avenues of evil. I'm going to look to do otherwise. I'm going to look to go different because I know Satan is real and I am called to be on guard. I am not going to walk in his traps.
because I'm on guard, because I'm watchful, because I know that he's real. And I know that I'm his prey. But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. But if I do what the Bible says and I stand firm and I resist him, he has to flee. Church, don't ever miss the power of the Holy Spirit within you to overcome any plot and any scheme that the enemy would have for you. Don't let this walk in fear of that, but we overcome it in great victory because God by his spirit reigns within us and we fight and we resist and we vigorously oppose the enemy and then he flees us and runs away. That's Bible truth. Why? Because I've been watchful. I'm on guard. Why? Because I am convinced that the enemy is real and I am convinced that he's after me because I'm his prey. But I'm convinced that if I stand firm and if I resist him and I don't put myself in those positions, he will flee. This is our conviction. This is our stance. Come on, I want you to see this, please. Just We got crews here, come on. First Peter chapter three, please. I just wanna read this and I want you to see it. First Peter chapter three, verse 13. Who is there who is there to harm you and this is this is we know that there was some serious deep persecution taking place Peter writes this to the church at Rome right and he writes this to to all of the believers that were scattered through Rome all the little mini churches that were all throughout Rome there was heavy persecution going on through Rome and this is Peter he writes this to all these churches throughout Rome and he says this Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Zealous means enthusiastic, just truly having a passion. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Even though you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Sanctify means to set apart. It means make that sacred place for Christ, always being ready to make a defense for everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness, reverence, and keeping a good conscience. Like it's amazing that the Bible says, hey, you gotta be ready for an answer. You need to be ready to give an answer. Do you know your biblical convictions? That you are ready to give an answer when it comes to the fight for creation, the fight for Jesus as Lord and Savior, the fight for heaven and hell, the fight for, and we go, you know, whatever you're, whatever you see is a biblical conviction. Are you ready to give an answer for that? Are you ready to fight for that? Don't be intimidated. I love where Paul in the middle of persecution says, hey, or, or Peter in the middle of persecution says, hey, don't be intimidated by them. Don't be troubled. <laughs> you can't intimidate me. Wouldn't it be amazing truly to be in that place as a high school student say, you can't intimidate me. Whether it even be a teacher who's pushing evolution, going, you can't intimidate me. I know Genesis 1-1. I'd love to see high school students begin to really give an answer in evolution class to creation. You can't intimidate me. I would love college students to see that. You go through this whole list of what our biblical conviction is going is, how is it that you're not intimidated by the lies because you identify the lies because you're so persuaded of truth. And I want to close with this because I want you to hear this. There's another beautiful place in scripture where Paul says, listen, I have been persuaded. I am convinced. Yeah, can you put that up there, please? For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing could separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, I want you to get this. For I am convinced. Paul says, listen, I am convinced that it is not by death, it is not by life, it is not by angels, it is not by principalities, that's the dark angels, it is not by things that are now, it is not by anything that could ever happen, it's not by powers, it's not by height, it's not by death. Look, watch, watch. It's not any created thing, nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm convinced that nothing. It's not my hard day, it's not my hard season, it's not my tragedy, it's not my depression, it's not my financial issue, it's not my marriage issue. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Like nothing, absolutely nothing. And Paul was convinced of this. Church, what happens when we just take this and say, no, I need this now. I need to be convinced in my tragedy. I need to be convinced in this most difficult season that I've ever faced that this could be true. In my depression, in my anxiety, in my tragedy, in my struggle, in my hurt. This is what I'm convinced of. That he loves me. Church, please hear me when you're convinced of that. He will see you through any season of life. This is what will get you through. Now I have been persuaded and I'm going through a dark season. I'm going through depression. I'm going through anxiety. I'm going through the most difficult time in my life. But one thing, one thing I will never doubt is that God loves me in Christ. You think this was easy for Paul to write? 2 Corinthians 11 gives us this brief little, quick little summary of Paul's life. He says, man, more than anyone else, I have been beaten times without number. Often, even to death. Five times I have been whipped. Three times I've been beaten with rods without number. Once I was stoned. Five times I was shipwrecked. Man, I, I was in danger on every side. Every side I was in danger. Could you imagine Paul? He's like, listen, man, I have been through it. I have been beaten so many times I've been left for dead. Man, I was stoned once. They thought I was dead. He gets up, walks right back in and preaches the word. Man, I was whipped five different times, 39 lashes. I was just shredded. Man, three times, man, I was shipwrecked. I was abandoned. Everyone left me. I was on danger on every side. But I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor power, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing, now and or forever in the future. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, will you stand to your feet, please? Church, what is your convictions? Don't waver on your convictions. You fall. You'll find yourself in the part of the falling away. Doubt will creep in. 
be the, be the one who stands in their conviction. And maybe you're in a season right now, maybe you're going through it. Maybe you're here in this house personally, maybe you're online, maybe you're on the radio and you've just been going through it. I want you to believe Romans 8, 38 and 39. I want you to believe it. Because knowing that no matter where I'm at, the creator of the heaven and the earth, he loves me. He's towards me. He's for me. There's nothing that I can do nothing the world can do. There's no circumstance of life that can change how much he loves me. And let that be what pulls you through. Let that be you holding on to him who loves you through the difficult season, loves you through the tragedy, loves you through the dark times, loves you through the family issues, loves you through, through the whatever, 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 whatever. Nothing separates you from his love. What a promise. But what happens when you are convinced of that? Come on, Katie's going to sing a song. And man, I just, if anybody wants prayer for any reason, we want to invite you up for prayer. If you need prayer for any reason, we believe that God can heal. We can anoint you with oil. We believe that God will heal you. If you just need prayer, if you need to talk more about Jesus, Jesus loves you. Put himself on a cross for you. The only way to salvation is through Jesus. If you need Jesus this morning, come to Christ. Come to Christ. Come talk to us about Jesus. Come on, amen. Father, we thank you for the day. We pray that you have moved powerfully in this word. We love your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As she sings, come on, just ask the Lord, what have you spoke to me today in this?